Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Come on, now take your Bible, hold it up in the air and say this after me. Say, this is my Bible. God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I'm blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I'm an overcomer, therefore I overcome. Every obstacle, every challenge, every hindrance, through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart, I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word, I confess this word in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Now take that Bible, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, and as you're turning there, I mean, I, I, I love the Thanksgiving season. In fact, I think uh, the most underrated holiday is Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's always been big in, in our family. And, and Thanksgiving time is a time, right, where, where as, a, as a nation, we kind of pause and, and reflect for, for the things that we're thankful for. But, but for me, it's, it's just extra time hanging with friends, extra time spending with family, and this past week was, was really special because uh, my brother's family and my family were able to go over to uh, Daytona and just stay a couple of days. And, and we stayed in uh, this small little house over in Daytona Beach with uh, my two children, my two daughters, and his two sons. And, and how many of you know, in a tight space with kids, anything can happen? And uh, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, being 32, I didn't realize how quickly I get tired until there's a house full of kids. You know, they kind of feed off each other. My girls start swinging from the rafters. The boys start running around. It's just, they, they kind of feed off each other. And, and I, I love this time we were to spend together and just build, build memories. And there's this moment this week where uh, we're sitting outside by a fire pit and the, the kids are just playing and, and uh, Judah's youngest son, soon to be his middle son, uh, comes up over to me and he says, I got a stick. You know, I'm like, cool, man, you got a stick. Have fun with it. Maverick, if you know him, he's three years old. He's, he's rambunctious and, and he's like, I got a stick. And so I, I begin to watch what he did with this stick. This stick was pretty incredible because this stick, he transformed from an old man walking with a cane. He transformed to being in the military to, to, to being uh, uh, Sky, or, uh, Luke Skywalker with a, a lightsaber. See, to Maverick is three. This stick was so much more than a stick. In fact, like, like, like he goes, I got a stick. He's going, I've got the world in the palm of my hands. Because yeah. to a two, to a three-year-old, right? A stick is like, it's just more than a stick. And this interaction kind of got me thinking. It, it, it got me thinking that somewhere along the way, sticks cease being more than what they are, and they simply remain sticks. 
that, that somewhere along the way, we stop imagining things as they are not and seeing things for how they simply present themselves. See, the reality is this, that reality shapes imagination. Where is it along the way that as we grow up, we, we lose our imagination? Reality begins to shape how our imagination is. Reality goes, hold on, I learned in uh, uh, biology that this is actually a stick and it's made up of all of these different elements and, and it is simply what it is. As we grow older, we experience more things and these experiences begin to shape what we view as possible because here's something about reality. Reality shapes our creativity. For instance, my, my, my daughter, she loves to dance. My daughter's four years old. Uh, she wants to, to be a dancer. She wants to dance. And, and right now, man, she, she's believing she's going to be the best ballerina the world has ever seen. And, and, and she does it in, in the living room. And I, I think it kind of stirred it on. She watched the Olympics, you know, a while. And, and you, you see the, 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 these elite, the elite athletes. And she said, I want to do that. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a gymnast. And how many of you know that that'll last until she goes to ballerina class and doesn't, can't stand on her tippy toes? Like, like it, 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 reality is going to set in. A moment that kind of reality set in for me. Uh, growing up, for instance, I man, I always wanted to be the starting shooting guard of the Boston Celtics. I, I, I wanted to be the starting shooting guard of the Boston Celtics. And then something called puberty happened, and I didn't grow past five foot ten. And the jump I thought I had, I didn't have. And I thought I was fast, and I wasn't fast. Why? Because, because this thing called reality and our experiences set in because reality is shaping our imagination. In fact, we actually say it like when reality hits you. Like we, we, we view it as something that's going to hit us because our reality is shaping what is possible. No, I'm not suggesting today that when service is over, we need to go outside to the oak tree, everybody pick up an old stick, and then us to go play out in the yard as if we're five-year-olds again. But what I am suggesting is that we have lost the ability to imagine what could be because we've allowed what is to shape what could be. We've allowed our disappointment. We've allowed the heartbreak. I submit to you, we've allowed our reality, if you will, to shape what could be. But I want us to understand this today that as the people of God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of prophecy, the prophetic spirit lives within each of us and desires to ignite a prophetic imagination in the people of God for what could be. Acts chapter 1-8, Pentecostals, we love this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That, that the purpose of the spirit, the purpose of the prophetic spirit in our life is to bear witness. But I submit to you that if we're going to be a prophetic witness in the world, we must ask the Lord to ignite a prophetic imagination in us once again. We must ask the Lord, God, to ignite in us a prophetic imagination. You see, our lack of imagination has infiltrated itself into our faith walk. As adults, we lose our imaginations because what is shapes what could be. And I really believe that we have a prophetic imagination problem. And this problem is because we've allowed the wrong reality to shape our imagination. So I want to ask like this, this rhetorical question, what reality is shaping your imagination today? What reality is is forming the idea of what's possible in your situation? Is it the reality of your circumstance and the reality of earth, or is it the reality of heaven? We pick up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. See, what if I told you that as Christians, we're looking currently and living currently at a secondary reality to what is? You see, that, that, that what is the reality we see with our present circumstances is actually secondary to the reality of what is the reality of Christ sitting at the right hand of God. And what the apostle is trying to get the church of Colossae to see here is that, hey, there are two realities competing with your attention. The reality of heaven and the reality of earth. The reality of earth is your present circumstances. The reality of earth is what the news media says. The reality of earth is your your own disposition. But the reality of heaven is what God says about your circumstance. The reality of heaven is the lens of the Christ reality. The reality of heaven is the lens of the risen Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. See, we aren't choosing to deny the realities of earth. We're simply choosing to imagine prophetically with a greater reality. Many in the Pentecostal circles would just deny when bad things happen. We, we, we get a bad diagnosis from the doctor and we say, I don't claim that. And so we reject reality. What scripture te- teaches us is not to reject the earthly reality. It's choosing to partner with a greater reality, a greater word over our situation. Yes, I might be sick. 
but God has a word for me in my situation, in my moment, and whether I'm healed on this side of eternity or that side of eternity, I know I'm healed by the blood of Jesus, and so I'm gonna suffer well. See, there's an earthly perspective, and we're not denying the earthly perspective. We're just choosing to partner with a greater reality, a better word over our lives. You see, God wants to grow your prophetic imagination. God doesn't want your hope to be contingent upon what's happening around you. God doesn't want your joy to be dependent on a good bill of health from the doctor. God doesn't want your love to be determined based on how others treat you. But God wants you to grow a prophetic imagination that is influenced by his perspective over your situation, his perspective of others, his perspective of what's happening in the earth, his perspective for what can be and should be by the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk today on this idea of growing a prophetic imagination. That if we're going to be the prophetic community in the world, if we're going to be the prophetic witness of Christ in the earth, we need a prophetic imagination. We need to say, I want to see this how God sees it. I don't want to see what can't happen. I want to see what can happen by the working of the Holy Spirit. If you believe it, will you say amen with me today? Point number one, if you're taking notes, a prophetic imagination grows when we cultivate thankfulness. We say that with me, cultivate thankfulness. One more time, cultivate thankfulness. Colossians 3.1 says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. See, as believers, there's a shift that happens in how we see things since we've been raised to new life with Jesus. Let me actually rephrase that. There should be a shift in our perspective that happens since we've been raised to new life in Christ. Be honest with you though. Some of the most negative people I know are Christians. My lands. We can be, and I'm sorry for all the Nancys out there. We can be negative Nancys. But God wants us to be positive Pauls. I'm, I'm just, I, I just, it came to me. That was my, I, 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 never mind. <laughs> but we, we can be so negative. But I believe that there's a shift that happens in the life of believer, and it's a shift towards thanksgiving. It's a shift towards being thankful that we've been raised to a new life. He says, since you've been raised to new life in Christ, you can now shift your perspective. You see what negativity does? Negativity kills your imagination. 
If we want to be a prophetic people, a prophetic witness with a prophetic imagination, we cannot be people of negativity. Because if all you see is what can't happen in your life or can't happen in a situation, you will never be able to prophetically imagine what could be. If all you see in your life are the sticks, you will never be able to turn that stick into some firewood. If all you see in your life is is the sticks that you trample on the ground, I submit to you today, you will lose your prophetic imagination. Because what negativity does is negativity keeps us bound to the situations that we find ourselves in. Christians are not meant to be shaped by our negativity. The world feeds off of it. But the church needs to fast from it, stop feasting on the negativity, so that we might feast on heavenly perspective. But we're, we're, we're feasting on the negativity of the world, of the negativity of the media, the negativity of our friends. We're feasting for the gossip. So we can't fast. So, 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 so then we might not feast in the things of God. See, what is Paul saying in Colossians 3.1? Since you've been raised to new life with Christ. He's saying the reality of our salvation should shape our imagination of thanksgiving. How can I be thankful despite my circumstances? Since I've been raised to new life with Christ. How can I be thankful when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death because I've never left the understanding. We say this all the time because we've never gotten over getting saved. Because we live with the reality of our salvation, the reality of the resurrection front and center in our lives. And when we keep the reality of our salvation at the center of our lives, it shapes our life into a life of thanksgiving. See, I'll I'll be honest with you. If I ever find myself unthankful, I have to ask myself, perhaps I have uncentered my life around Christ. Perhaps I have gotten over getting saved. Perhaps I, I have gotten used to calling on the name of the Lord. Perhaps I have gotten used to that I once was an outsider but now I'm on the inside of the people of God being able to cry out by the Spirit, Abba, Father. You see, our prophetic imagination needs thankfulness. Our prophetic imagination needs thankfulness because pain chokes our imagination. But thankfulness breathes life into our imagination. Listen, I do not want to minimize the pain and the reality of what it is you're walking through. What I want you to see is that the pain of the situation, the enemy seeks to use that pain to choke 
without your prophetic imagination. But God has given us a tool. God has given us the ability to be thankful so that as pain is trying to choke out our imagination, kill our imagination for what's possible with God, what the enemy's trying to use disappointment to, to kill our faith, God gives us the tool of thankfulness to breathe life into our imagination. This is what Paul or this is what Peter does. And, and, and he's writing in 1 Peter chapter 4. He, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. This is what a prophetic imagination does. Peter does not deny the suffering. Peter does not deny the pain. A prophetic imagination sees the suffering sees the pain and reimagines re it for what could be through Christ. A prophetic imagination gives new meaning to what we walk through. A prophetic imagination, what, what, what did Peter do? That, that it, you're not just suffering for suffering's sake, you're actually suffering now, and as you suffer, you're suffering with Christ. It, it, Peter, in, in, by, by the power of the Spirit, is, 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 is reframing what happens when we suffer. That now when we suffer, the world says it's pain. The world says it's suffering. And yeah, it's still suffering. And it's still hard. And it's still difficult. And it just, sometimes it just, you want it to disappear. But, but what happens is when the prophet, when, when the Spirit breathes on our suffering, we're now doing it with Christ. See, before your suffering, Peter says, you weren't joining with Christ in your suffering. But now because of your suffering, a prophetic imagination understands my suffering now has new meaning. My suffering now has a purpose. My suffering even has a privilege that I might suffer with my king. It would be a shame to live my life for the one that suffered for me and me never get the opportunity to suffer for him. It would be a shame to allow my modern evangelical culture to say suffering is not of God and, 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 and for me to, to, to push suffering off to the side and never suffer for the one that suffered for me. Yeah. A prophetic imagination doesn't choose to ignore the reality of earth, the, the suffering we face. It's just choosing to partner with a greater reality. The greater reality that as I suffer, I now get to suffer with him. I can be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the earth. 
See, thankfulness chooses to focus on the realities of the risen Christ instead of the realities of the dead situation. What thankfulness does is thankfulness rewires our hearts to not focus on how the pain is choking us, but rather how the risen Christ is breathing life into us. See, I might be sick right now, but I'm thankful that God has brought me this far. I might be broke right now, but I'm thankful I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the godly begging for bread. I might not have much now and the devil might be trying to to take all I got away, but I'm thankful today I still have breath in my lungs and that the devil can take everything from me, but the devil cannot have my praise. The devil cannot have my worship. The devil cannot have my thanks giving. I wonder if I got somebody in here today that'll say the devil can take his best shot at me, but I see now from a heavenly perspective that sees my suffering and pain through a new lens. I've got a fresh perspective because of thanksgiving. See, a prophetic imagination grows, point number two, when we shift perspectives. We got to choose to shift perspectives. Colossians 3, 1, the second part in verse 2 says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. See, the way that God is growing your prophetic imagination is by allowing his reality to now shape your imagination. See, if reality shapes our imagination, here's what I submit to you today. The reality that you place your faith in is going to shape your prophetic imagination. You think on the things of earth, you will have an earthly imagination. You think on the things of heaven where Christ is not defeated, but he is seated at the right hand of the Father, forever making his intercession for you and I. When you live from that perspective and amongst that reality, that will be the reality that shapes your imagination. You see, what does it mean that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? How how is it that that that, uh, uh, reality will shape your imagination? What does it mean that in all situations I'm, I'm more than a conqueror? What does it mean when 2 Corinthians 4 says that I'm pressed on every side by troubles, but I'm not crushed? We are perplexed 
but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. What does it mean to live from the perspective of heaven? It means I can have joy in the suffering. It means I can have peace in the midst of the chaos. It means I can have hope in the midst of the grief. It means that there is a reality greater than the one I see that is shaping my imagination. That is shaping what can be and what should be. That as we face the sorrows and the grief and the disappointment, perhaps we can get a perspective And as we embrace the pain and embrace the suffering, we get a perspective into what Christ is trying to defeat altogether. 1 Corinthians 15 says that when Christ returns and mortality will put on immortality, death will be swallowed up. And when Christ returns and the dead in Christ rise, it says in this statement will be fulfilled. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? As you're in pain, as you're in suffering, as you're in sorrow, The things you are feeling is exactly what Jesus is in the process of defeating. He defeated it on the cross. We we are now in the inaugurated kingdom of God that the death is already defeated. But there's coming a day, church, when Christ returns and the dead in Christ rise first. And, And listen, death will be swallowed up. The pain and the sorrow will be no more. So when you're walking through it, gain perspective from a different vantage point. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. This happens in every situation. We have to ask, what does heaven say about this? What does God say? say about this see too often we run to the opinions of people before we get the opinion of God and then here's what I think is almost worse you ready for this I, I, I think it's almost worse to get somebody else's opinion of God's opinion for my situation instead of going to God before we get the opinions of others and saying God What is your opinion about my situation? Am am, am I meant, how am I meant to to continue now that I've got this news? It's time that that when when we get something in our life goes bad. Now listen, I'm not talking like when you get a flat tire. Because here's God's just opinion. Like the fruit of the spirit should be in your life. Like we're we're talking beyond, I'm talking about when, 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 when reality hits you. talking about when you're at the Thanksgiving dinner table and 
Your children who haven't talked to you in years aren't there. I'm talking about the death of a loved one. I'm talking about a divorce. I'm talking about when reality hits you. You need to get a word from God more than you need a word from Susan. Sorry to all the Susans. I don't, I don't, I don't even, do we have a Susan in here? I don't know. Don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was the carnality of my flesh. I promise. You don't need the word of Tyler. You don't need my word for you. You need the Lord's word for your life. So when we have a situation, we have to say, what does heaven say? What does God say? God, what is it that you're saying? God, give me a prophetic imagination to see from your perspective. Because here's what happens. A prophetic imagination grows only when you begin to prophetically imagine what could be. Only when you say, what could come from this? That, that sometimes that, that we, we say, well, th- this is the story that I'm telling myself. But what does God say about my story? We, 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 might, we might be under the perception that my marriage is on the rocks. But what does God say about my marriage? You know, I, I've been betrayed. I've been hurt. But what does God say about my betrayal and my actions? You see, to live a life inspired by prophetic imagination, we must live lives that ask, what does heaven say about this? Point number three, a prophetic imagination grows when we reframe hope. A prophetic imagination grows when we begin to see things not from the earthly reality, but we begin to see things from the heavenly perspective. There's this moment in Matthew 26 where Jesus, the night of his betrayal, gathers his disciples and they're enjoying a meal together. This is something they would have done all the time. The disciples would have eaten together, they, they, they would have had this meal time and time and time again. And, and it says this, Matthew 26, verse 26 and 27, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So here we find Jesus, the night of his betrayal, he's eating with his disciples and he takes something ordinary from their normal meal, some bread and some wine. 
and he gives thanks for it. Then after giving thanks for it, he says, this is my body. This is my blood. Now, I, I, I have to assume that Jesus understands very literally that, that his body is about to be broken and, and his blood quite literally is about to be shed. But as Jesus understands what is about to happen to him on the cross, Jesus chooses to give thanks. Because here's what happens. Thankfulness reframes the hope we carry with us in the midst of our suffering. So now, these two ordinary elements, bread and wine, these two ordinary things so common in their life has now for the last 2,000 years become a means of grace that the entire community of faith, the entire community and body of Christ has gathered around. I want you to see here that what Jesus is doing, he's taking very ordinary things, a part of his ordinary life, nothing inherently special about this bread and about the wine, and Jesus is prophetically imagining these two natural things as supernatural elements through the power of thanksgiving. But no longer would bread and wine be looked by the disciples the same? No longer would their present circumstance be looked at the same. Rather, they, they, their, their hope has been reframed that every time they would take the bread that was so ordinary in the past and they would break it, they would give thanks to God for the body of Jesus that was broken. That every time they begin to drink of the cup as they ate dinner and enjoyed time together, no longer was it just an ordinary moment, but because of the prophetic image of Christ, this is now the blood of Christ that now we are drinking and being welcomed in to the body of Christ with you see, Jesus chooses to give thanks for the ordinary in an unordinary time of history where, where, where two ordinary elements, bread and wine, become means of hope. What is the ordinary things in your life that have been so ordinary that you've been overlooking that the Spirit wants to speak over your life to reimagine what might come out of that ordinary thing? Because it's not just an ordinary bread and wine any longer. It is our point of remembrance. It is a place in a sacrament where Jesus meets us in our midst. Jesus is able to see with a prophetic imagination and give meaning to the suffering he's about to experience through thanksgiving. So what's awaiting transformation from your prophetic imagination? What ordinary thing 
in your life, you live with every day. Some of you going, yeah, I, I do live with them, and they ain't changing. <laughs> well, I've, I've always, my daddy was angry. My brothers are angry. I'm just going to be this way. My grandpa was an alcoholic. His son struggled with addiction. I'll struggle with addiction. What a prophetic imagination does, it says it doesn't have to be that way. I, I, I feel this really special right here in this moment. I, I, just, I, I, I just feel impressed to say this. It doesn't have to be that way. Just because it's rain in your family, it doesn't have to be that way. Just because you were abandoned as a child, You don't have to continue to live with the sense of abandonment. It doesn't have to be that way. And I, I feel the Spirit pleading with us right now, pleading for us, and the Spirit saying, it doesn't have to be that way. bow our heads in this room. What is it in your life awaiting transformation from your prophetic imagination? I'm going to be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit's working in us. allow the Holy Spirit right here in this moment to walk through the corners of your heart walk through the caverns of your spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to say to you right now it doesn't have to Holy Spirit, I pray that we'll see with how you see our circumstances. We'll see how you see what we're facing. Just allow the Lord
And just repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I give it to you. Say it again. Say, Jesus, I give it to you. I wonder together if we could stand. I truly, truly, truly believe. I believe in the next couple moments in the altars, the Lord is going to give us a fresh perspective. Maybe even super practically today. There's, there's people in this room, maybe even watching online that, that we're talking about imagination and, 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 and you, you, you can't even like have a good night's sleep without tormenting dreams. I believe today the Lord can touch you and you can sleep soundly in peace. I believe today the Lord wants to ignite in us a prophetic imagination. So I wonder what we can do. And the pastoral staff are gonna grab the anointing and we're gonna come around and we're gonna lay hands on just, just on, on our heads and signing that, signifying that God's giving us a new imagination. And one thing we do at GT is we always respond to the preaching of the word by coming to the front and asking the Lord to work in us. So I wonder if at this time, as a church family, we could just step out from where we are, come down front. And if you are coming, can you just come as close as you can? Because we have a lot of people. And, and, and this isn't like just an altar call for one of us or two of us. This is for all of us to say, Lord, I need a prophetic imagination to be ignited in my life. I need to see things how you see them. So will you all across the room, as you're coming, can you lift your hands to heaven? And as they lead us in worship, just allow the Holy Spirit to do a great work in your life. Come on, church, let's worship him. Let's bless him today. He'll never fail.